It's very funny when he says it. Okay. So we're I we're not going to finish the introduction before uh, Pesach. I'm pretty sure because there are a lot of different terms. Essentially, what we want to start doing is going through the terms that are relevant to Pesukei Zimra. So we have terms like Shira Zimra, um, Hod and Hodu Lehodot, um, Shevach, Halel. Right. All of these are words that come up in Pesukei Zimra, and are are essential to understanding, you know, words like halal, halaluka, it's repeated over and over and over again. What is that about? What are all these different kinds of praise? So we're going to work starting with the purpose of Pesuketi Zimra and then understanding how each of these tools is a tool, how each of these words is really describing a different tool for achieving the goal of Pesuketi Zimra. I don't think we're going to finish it today. And next week, I promised to Pesach Shir, so we're not going to finish it next week either. So we'll have to see. Um, I'm going to ask you just to watch your email for the schedule after Pesach because I'm not exactly sure when I'm going to be able to come back to Shear after Pesach. Um, I just have some other things going on, mm -hmm. so I may be off for here and there. All right, so Pesuket Zimra. We said last week, Pesuket Zimra, the goal is to look at the events in the world. That means the level of nature. Oh, I knew and renewed charts that won't drive me crazy. There you go. <laughs> okay, that are in the right direction. So looking at what happens at the level of Teva, storms, meaning God's control over the world, both on national and international levels and on the global level, not only human level, but tornadoes, climate, earthquakes, all of that. All of this is in the level of Psuke de Zimra, which is the level of Yetzira, the level of Teva, the level of climate, Mazel. All of those things are, are over here. It's the world of nature, and yet recognizing that Hashem is controlling nature, even though it's apparently by means of moving these other nations, politicians, rivers, dams, tornadoes, wind, around, okay? Not making the mistake of attributing the power to the chess pieces, but to the one who's manipulating the chess pieces, essentially, is the role of Psuke de Zimra. And one of, uh, just like a key lesson that Rav Hirsch draws out of it, it's strictly logical, but it's also very, very deeply moving, which is this. Psuke de Zimra forms an introduction to Kriyashma in which the view of God in the world and history is made into a bridge. Well, we'll talk about the bridge later, okay? So we have Psuke de Zimra, which is a view of God in the world and in history. And at the level of emotion, which is the level of Psuke de Zimra, right? It's our emotional side of our life. It's how we feel about that. It's not your typical, like, Torah concept that you think about, right? Like, here's God and his control of the world. How do you feel about that? All right. Now, here's how Rav Hirsch, he says, you know what, what that means then? That God created human thought and feeling, no less than human word and deed, as something with which to fulfill his will. Sometimes I think, yeah, yeah. God created, this is actually a quote from Horev. God created human thought and feeling no less than human word and deed as something with which to fulfill his will. And I think we, we so often hear about 
not giving in to our feelings. It's sort of like, who cares what you think? Just do the right thing. Or mm -hmm. who cares what you think? Who cares what you feel? Who cares what you feel, right? Who cares what you feel as long as you make the right choice or do the right action or daven or, or learn Torah or whatever it is. And Rav Hirsch is saying, actually, Hashem created us with minds and he created us with actions and he created us with feelings. And that our feelings, no less than every other bit of us that we're created with, is meant to be able to serve Hashem with. So in Pesuket Zimra, we do actually, now, as with every kind of feeling or thought-based avoda, at the beginning, it's more intense in some ways and takes longer because you've got to figure it out. You know, when you're, when you're trying to work through an issue in your mind, it takes longer. But eventually, it becomes a pattern of thinking, and that's really a goal in Pesuket Zimra. In fact, I saw something very interesting this morning, which I had not seen before, um, in Rabbi Monk's World of Prayer. He says, how come there was added Mizmor Shir Hanukkah Sabayis Ludavid at the front of Psuke de Zimra? It's not in Psuke de Zimra, it's before Psuke de Zimra. He says, because David HaMelech describes here I will praise you, elevate you, Hashem, because you made me poor. Like, there's different ways you can read that Pasuk, but I, I was sick and you healed me, you picked me up out of the pit. He describes like he has all these problems. And he ends with, in order that I can sing praise to you and honor to you, not be silent. In other words, this parak of Tehillim is added on before Psuke de Zimra because it really can be, it's a real avoda Psuke de Zimra. And you might have to stop and think ahead of time. Like, how do I feel about God's control over the world? How do I feel, you know, when I, when I hear about some huge tsunami, now how am I feeling about Hashem's control over the world? When I hear about a war, when I hear, right, these are the events of God controlling the world. And I, I, my starting place, if I want to have it that my, that my feelings are in fact a tribute to Hashem and part of what brings me close to Him, then I need to know what they are. And even if it means starting in a place and recognizing that where they are now is not exactly where maybe I would hope that they would become, I know where I am. If I don't know where I am, how do I know where I'm going to go? Right? So I don't have to get hung up on it, but I do have to recognize where I am. And so at the beginning, it may take longer. Like, it may actually be like a whole process when we tune into it. And then we work our way through, and we can come to the place in Pesuke de Zimra where we can see that all events in nature and human life are traced back to Hashem. That's really the goal, that it's traced back to Hashem. And part two is that we are rejoicing in that and happy in that and praising Hashem for that. It's recognizing it and responding to it both. Okay, So now you can kind of begin to get the flavor of what this means, that Psuke de Zimra is working at the level of the emotion, but it you know, stacked over what we did with brachos, which was at the level of our physical, tangible tools, means, energies, right? We saw what God had given us, and we thank him for it, and we pledged to use it back for him in the physical plane. Here, we see what Hashem does for us and for the world, thank him for it, which has to be sincere, or we aim to make it get to being sincere, right? doesn't mean we're going to wait till it is. We're going to work towards it. 
and then pledge that back to him. So it's what we're pledging back to him is how we felt about it, right? Because we don't have control over the world events. All we have control there is how we feel about them. And here's just one more piece from Rav Hirsch that follows on from that quote, that God created human thought and feeling no less than human word and deed as something with which to fulfill his will, is that the all-holy God also looks upon human life. Human thought, feeling, and word and deed are not matters of indifference to him. In other words, he cares. He, he cares about our thoughts and feelings and words and deeds, which is also an amazing thing. Okay, so what's the positive accomplishment? How would I know that I had fulfilled Psuke de Zimra, that I had gotten somewhere? If I, if I felt closer to this aspect, I would know, wow, I really made progress in the direction of Psuke de Zimra. So to look at that, we see that there's a common phrase in Baruch She'amar, which is the opening bracha, and Yishtabach, which is the closing bracha. In Baruch She'amar, we have the phrase that Hashem is Yachid Chei HaOlamim, he is singular only. He is He, the source of life, ha'olamim, for all the cosmos. And in Yishtabach, it ends with melech keol chei ha'olamim. You are the king, the lord, chei ha'olamim, the source of life for all the cosmos. It's time and space, right? Olam can mean forever and ever, like time, and olam can mean the world. So the positive goal of Psuke de Zimra is recognizing Hashem as the only source of power in the cosmos and praising him for it. That's what we're aiming to do, which is both very simple and sometimes very hard. Um, Rabbi Munk points out, I think he's basing this, he, he, I forget the name of the person he said. He has a whole series of explanations on Baruch Sha'amar that are quoted from someone else, and I don't remember who it was. He says, this whole section of Shachar's service seeks to proclaim that all events in nature and human life can be traced back to God. Any belief in intermediate powers must be eliminated before man may approach God in prayer. What's he saying? We're saying, he's, he's addressing, why are we saying Pesuket de Zimmer here before Shema and Shemona Esrei? If we're going to draw close to Hashem as the source of everything in Shemona Esrei, as the only source of everything, then what we need to do ahead of time is clear our minds of any belief in any other power. Now that sounds almost bizarre. It's like telling us we have to get rid of our Avodah before we come into the Beis HaMikdash. Like, why would we have Avodah at all? And I think that what he's telling us is that we all have these things that we fall back into attributing power to, whether it's money, energy, charisma, talent, intelligence, right? We all, we all have these things where we feel like, oh, you know, the, the airbag is what saved my life, right? Well, like, who made the airbag deploy? Who made someone think that there is an airbag? Who, like, all these ideas, where did all the materials come from that were put into that, right? The fact that Hashem sends and, and acts within the world sort of with gloves on, right? So we see the gloves, but that's not the power, Right? Or like I said, moving the chess pieces, but who's the one who's moving the chess pieces? That is the avoda here, and that is always the avoda when you're dealing with the forces of nature, which is at this level. The avoda with dealing with the forces of nature is always an avoda of recognizing whose hand is behind that. Who created the forces of nature? Who controls the forces of nature? Right? This is always going to be the avoda when you realize, once you realize that this is the level you're at. That's one of the things that's helpful about these tables 
is that sometimes in your life you can actually say, hang on, where am I, and find yourself on a table. And then you have a clue as to what you're meant to be working on, right? If this is, if this is the issue that I'm thinking about or struggling with, then maybe this is what I need to be looking to. I have found that helpful myself. Okay. Rav Pincus puts it like this, which I love. It's so interesting always to hear how different people will take this same basic principles, but then put it back out sort of through the filter of who they are, and, and you get like a, a message that's the same and yet different. He says, Shira Zoshal Psuke de Zimra, this song of Psuke de Zimra, he binyan shalim, it's a complete structure. Okay, right? Because it opens with a bracha, it ends with a bracha. It's complete. It kind of stands on its own as its own avoda. Shetachliso, its purpose is l'rome mesa adam to elevate the person. Me'ala kitnusios, sorry, I said that wrong. Kitnunios hayom yomi, to elevate him above the the everyday small pettiness. Tsaros harega v'hasha, and all the little problems of the moment, temporary problems in life. Tirdos hazman, the pressure of time, umikrav, and all this stuff that goes on in life. To elevate the person up from all of this. To clear himself on, from all sides. And praise God. In other words, he, he showed such a beautiful elevation of moving from this world to this world, so to speak that it's elevated and that it takes us out of the day-to-day details of our life and says, now let's look at the bigger picture. Let's look at this, let's look at Hashem's actions, not only in my individual life, we'll come back to our individual lives, because in the end that's what we know best, but in Pesuket de Zimra, let me look at things on a global level. Let me look at things on a historical level. Okay, so like two different planes over here, right? I want to look at life through the bigger picture, and from here I can sing Shira. That's also very helpful, right? When we can step back, okay, I shared with you, like we had had this, this car accident, right? One of the things I came away with was like, all the little stuff is just little stuff. Like really, like what's the big picture, you know? And I'm not going to go into that now, but that's, we all have those experiences, for better or for worse, where we suddenly remember, that's what Psuke Dezimra is supposed to help us do every single day is by moving up to the level of planetary force, of all of the creatures of the universe singing Shira, of a Jewish nation being born and crossing through the Red Sea, of nations being moved and guided by God's will, we can see the world from a different angle. And it can help to pick us up and elevate us to something higher. I had this great little piece, and then I realized, no, no, this is individual, not national. And the whole point here is national. Okay, Rav Hutner shares the following thought. This is something I saw, actually my friend Basi Gruen wrote it in Mishpacha. Um, and for this thought, we have to think, how come Psuke de Zimra is basically made of Tehillim? A lot of davening comes from Tehillim, but Psuke de Zimra basically is Tehillim. Okay, it's Hallel, Tehillim, like that's what it is. Why? Why is Tehillim suited for this? He says, Klal Yisrael is accustomed to turning to Sefer Tehillim in any time of distress. This has led us to the impression that Tehillim and Tefillah are the same. In truth, Sefer Tehillim has more zmiros than Tefillah. The difference is as follows. When it comes to Tefillah, one has to try and daven at an ace ratzon, an opportune time. But Tehillim has the power to create an ace ratzon. Okay, 
So I just want to, just like a small thing as to how that plays out. When you say Tehillim for someone who's sick, first you say the Tehillim, then you say Yehi Ratzon, that Hashem should make the person better. Did you know that? Okay, that's, that's the order to do it in. I, I did not know that. Sometimes I used to say the Yehi on first, and then afterwards, you're supposed to say the Tehillim first. Because Tehillim creates the Ace Ratzon. Tehillim somehow puts us in a place where our tefillos are more heard. Which is why, one reason why, before we daven every single day, we have a section of Tehillim. That's pretty interesting. We, we're, we're basically creating an Ace Ratzon. Now we're going to have to learn what does that mean? How do we create an Ace Ratzon out of that? That's going to be like as we go along, understanding how it, it, it's really changing us, right? It's not changing, not changing God, right? So how do we change ourselves? <coughs> so that we are better prepared to say Shema and to Davin Shemon <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. Oh. I probably have paper in the back here. Okay. So let's start with the word Shira. Um difficult to say why I would start with Shira over anything else. I'm trying to remember what order I came to these through. Hard to say. It was Habocher Bashir um, Zimra. Hashem has chosen songs of, I don't know, if you think of Shira's song and Zimra's song, then it's songs of songs, which is hard to understand. Okay, Shira is song and Zimra is song, but they don't mean the same thing at all. Um, one definition of Shira is the highest form of Nivua, that there are 10 levels of Nivua and that Shira is the highest of them. So, for example, Az Yashir, wherever you see a Shira in Torah, it's the highest level of Nivua. It's a level of Nivua, right? Like Ras Ashifcha Al Hayam, that a, a maidservant at the Red Sea, because they sang Shira, Ras Ashifcha Al Hayam, what Yechezkel, whose prophecies are often have so little shot that, you know, the art scroll just goes dot, 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 and then picks up again where the story comes back. Do you ever, do you ever look at an art scroll, Yechezkel? So there's like all the Hebrew, and then on the English side, you get translation, and then dot, 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 and it'll like skip like a whole chapter, and then pick up again with the rest, you know. And then God came to me and said, dot, 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 and you're like, whoa, okay, right, because like Yechezkel, that's Kabbalah. Right? People learn Kabbalah, there's Maisa Barashas, there's Maisa Merkava. Maisa Merkava is the prophecies of Yechezkel. But even a maidservant crossing the sea had a higher level of prophecy than that. Because Shira is the highest level of prophecy. And Shira is specifically, as a higher level of prophecy, is the ability or the opportunity to see everything that is happening and how it fits into God's plan. Those go together. Okay. See. So Right away, you could understand why Az Yashir then becomes almost the climax of Psukhet Zimra. If the Avoda of Psukhet Zimra is an Avoda of working at the level of how we see the world on a global and historical level, and recognizing that Hashem is controlling all of this and moving everything toward His will and His purpose, which is good, and we will rejoice in that, then Az Yashir is such a perfect place to, to peak. Right? Because that's exactly what we're doing. And uh, that's what we achieve in Az Yashir. That's what we achieve. That's what we were brought to. Rashi says, it's a gemar, on a Gemara in Erechen, Ein Adam Shar Shira Elamitoch Simcha. Shira is a result of Simcha. That's also interesting. And it also helps us understand why it's near the end of Psukhe de Zimra. 
It also helps us understand why there is this uplifting feeling to Psuke de Zimra, right? On the one hand, it's kind of long, and on the other hand, it's great stuff. Like, it, it's uplifting. It's not, it's not heavy in its way. It's kind of rejoicing, and there's, the halacha even says, like, people should sing it in a beautiful tune. Like, there's something about it that's supposed to be happy. We're trying to achieve the happiness. So if we want to recognize that Hashem is controlling everything, and that where he's bringing it is somewhere good towards his will, and we want to rejoice in it, then the outcome will be the shira. So somehow this is one of the many tools we're going to use, the shira, the zimra, the halal, the hod, all these different things that we're going to use to help us get to that goal. You've heard many times, certainly from me and probably also from Rabbi Goldberg, simcha is a function of knowing purpose, right? I've heard Rabbi Orlewick say it, and then I think I shared with you, I, I saw an article that attributed it to Rav Simcha Wasserman. Simcha is a function of knowing purpose. When you know what something is for, what, what you're for and where you're headed and your function, which let, means you have a sense of your value and you know that you're headed in the right direction, there's a great feeling of happiness. Simcha is a function of knowing purpose. So again, we're looking at the world and seeing Hashem's control over it and recognizing He is taking it somewhere. There is a path, there is a trajectory of all this history and all this planet. Then what we do is we get a sense of purpose. Not only personally, we become you know, a piece of a very big puzzle, but we get a sense that this whole world has some sort of purpose. And that also, right, simcha is a function of knowing purpose. So that brings out and helps us achieve that level of simcha. There's a wonderful, um, the Maharal, the Gur Aryeh, a couple weeks ago on Parshas Tzav. So he quotes, um, he quotes the Torah's Kohanim that Aaron and his sons did what Hashem had commanded by the hand of Moshe. She'asu b'simcha, they did it with happiness to do what Hashem had told, it, had told them as if they had heard it directly from Hashem, even though they heard it through Moshe. Meaning there is a simcha of knowing your purpose. Hashem gave them the commandment for being Kohanim Right? All the different things they have to do. And knowing that is a rejoicing. When you feel like you, have, you know, that comes back to the mission statement work, right? The Das Atzmenu series. Right? When you know what you're for, it's a much happier place to be. You're not as lost. It's not the same sense of chaos that you can get when you feel like you're just being thrown from one thing to another. Okay? So observing the events, recognizing there's a purpose, leads to Simcha, which leads to Shira. What is the source? When we think of Shira, one of the things is the songs of the Levium in the Beis HaMikdash. Mm-hmm. So there's a Gemara in Erech and Yud Aleph. What is the source of Shira in the Torah? How do we know that Levium are supposed to sing Shira? It's a very interesting pasuk. V'sheres v'shem Hashem alakav. The Levi will come and he will sheres. So sheres is a very interesting conjugation. Okay, It should be like v'sharas, right? He will serve, like shirut, right? Service. Okay. Vesheres tells you that, okay, you can hear already that it's maybe like a combination of service and shira. Vesheres. And, but the Gemara doesn't say it from that. The Gemara learns it back into it by saying, what does it mean to do service b'shem Hashem alokav with the name of God? How do you serve Hashem using his name? What sheres is with the God's name? Shemaskirim boshem shemayim. It's the kind of service where you are saying God's name. Meaning you're saying this is all attributable to Hashem. Heavy Omer Zeshira. That's called Shira. 
Okay. I just, that idea is fundamental to a lot of other ideas. The idea that mentioning Hashem's name, attributing what is to him, is Shira. An example of that, I'm not sure this sitter has it. Yeah. Okay. You've heard of Perak Shira? Mm-hmm. Perak Shira had a wildly, wildly popular fad about 10 years ago where it suddenly became known to the world, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. What's Perak Shira? I mean, it's probably been in Sidorim for a lot longer than that, but sort of became popular. Okay. What is Perak Shira? Perak Shira lists all different things in creation and what their song is what their shira is to God. Shamayim omrim, the heavens say, ha-shamayim isaprim kvod ke-lomase yadav magid harakia. Eretz omeris, the land says, la-shem ha-aretz umloa tevo v'yoshreva. Gan Eden says, Gehenim says, the wilderness says, the fields say, the water say, the river say, the ocean say, the wellspring say, the day says, the night says, the sun says, the moon says, the stars say, and then you get in, you know, the trees and the plants and the figs and the pomegranates, and eventually you get to the animals. A lot of animals. Okay. What is this? Every single creation sings a shira. It's the kind of thing you hear in shira, right? People talk about this. Everything sings a shira. What does that mean, everything sings a shira? Okay. So we could say that on a spiritual level, the spiritual force and the malachim associated with each thing sing a shira, which is true. But we're talking about how do they sing a shira over here? Where we get, what does that mean? Like this pasuk, what it means is everything in creation testifies to its creator. That's, there's some element in how it is and how it is unique that if you would look at it closely, you would understand this, this pasuk, what the message of the associated pasuk about Hashem by looking at what he has created. Everything sings shira. People also sing shira. So what does it mean then? If we look at how everything else sings shira, what are they doing? They're testifying that Hashem created them. Tov Hashem lakol masav. Right? Each, each one has a pasuk that testifies to some element of Hashem in the world. People do too. <laughs> There's a wonderful... I don't have it right. Where did I put that source? Great line. Oh, here. I heard this from Rabbi, Rabbi um, Lef in a shir. Osios to Rabbi Akiva, he quotes, which says the most fitting organ of a person's 248 organs with which to sing shira is the mouth. And now you hear this and you say, um, Duh. Duh. right. <laughs> Didn't want to say that. <laughs> right? But like, okay, like what? Like my toe? Like what was I going to sing shira with? Of course I was going to sing shira with my mouth. That's not what the Osios de Rabbi Akiva is saying. Okay? The Osios de Rabbi Akiva is saying every creature sings Shira. It, every creature has the ability to express gratitude to God and to praise God through its very existence, through how it was created, to be a song of praise to Hashem. With people, the most fitting way to express our essence is with our mouth. This goes all the way back to the creation of man, right? That Hashem created us. There was no, there were no vegetation had not sprouted. It was all just sitting in the mist, right? There was no rain because there was no person. It sounds familiar, right? Or should I pull out the chumash? 
No, we're good. Yeah? <laughs> okay. Right? Kilohim tir Hashem Elohim. Hashem didn't cause any rain because there were no people yet. And it takes a person to see that there's a need and be able to daven for it and then be able to thank Hashem for it. And so Hashem created us, right, with body and soul together. It's the mouth that joins together the thoughts and puts them into something tangible. The mouth is the most fitting way for a person to sing Shira. So it is, it's one of those great lines that's just like a really funny line the way it is, and yet it really says what it means to say at the same time. Okay. When you mention the name of Hashem, we call this Shira. This is how we, we strive to achieve Shira. It is recognizing that God is the source of everything in the world. Okay. Rav Schwab notes that there is a Mishnah in Shabbos that uses a different word, which is share. Share means a leash or a tether. And it's clearly related to shear as a song, but what is the connection? And what he says is, it's through shira that we attach ourselves to Hashem. I think that statement has a lot of levels to it. Right? It's, it's speech as a function of Tzalem Elohim. It's speech as a way of connecting to Hashem through our tefillos and through our praise of him. There's a lot of different levels there. But even just that image of Shira as something that is also a tether. It's a way of hanging on and staying close. Okay? So then what's the difference between Shira and Zimra? Because Zimra, I also thought, meant song. Like when you sing Zmiros on Shabbos, I thought that they were songs. So if I want to know what Zimra is... It, first of all, he says it's happy singing, where shira is this prophetic um, expression of recognition of purpose, right? And, and I can reach that myself, even without prophecy. I can go as high as I can, which is by looking at the world and recognizing it has purpose and that God is moving it purposefully. But zimra is happy singing. Now, there's another root that is reasonably common that is the same root, zamar, yeah, which is to prune Right? Karmacha lotismar, don't, don't prune your vineyards, right? Zmira is, is pruning. It's cutting back, like, some of the branches strategically so that the whole thing will grow better. So what's that about? So to explain that, Rav Schwab quotes um, from the introduction to Masilos Yasharim, and then we need to explain that. So the introduction to Masilos Yasharim very famously and awesomely says, Ha'adam lo nivra, al Hashem, velehanos miziv shechinaso. Man was created only to be able to enjoy Hashem and have pleasure in the glow of his Amiti. This is the true enjoyment in the world. And the only, the greatest pleasure of all pleasures, Idun is like related to Eden, like Gan Eden. The greatest pleasure of all pleasures, that can be found. Now really, where do we experience that in Olam Haba? Now, in Shir Hashirim, we have a lot of expression. You know, people feel uncomfortable sometimes with Shir Hashirim because it's so much love, and it's like kind of passionate love going on there. It's beautiful, and yet it's hard to understand, right? There were people who said, how could this be part of Torah? Like, how do we even relate to such a thing as Shir Hashirim? And Chazal said, Shir Hashirim, all of Tanakh is Kadosh, right? Shir Hashirim is Kodesh Kadshim. It's the Holy of Holies. Hey, it's even holier. So you say, well, what's that about? And the answer is because whenever we crave happiness and whenever we crave closeness to other people, 
really that's an expression of that inner desire to be close to Hashem. And that's something also worth knowing because we all go through times in our life where we feel lonely and we feel like we're craving being near other people. And that can be wholesome and healthy or that can sometimes be not so wholesome and healthy. But either way, when I recognize, you know what, I, what I'm really wanting inside is to be close to Hashem, is to feel that sense that I'm loved, that he cares about me. He's the one whose opinion matters the most. He's the one who, if he's taking care of me and protecting me, that's what's going to really care and protect me. And anyone else that I have that connection with, that's a proxy. That's an experience. In the same way that Hashem moves the pawns around, right? So there are people that he can put into my life to help give me that message directly. But ultimately, what I really am craving and striving for is to feel close to Hashem. And that is the recognition that Shir Hashirim brings out. It's, it's a love song between the Jewish people and Hashem. And yet it's put into terms of human beings who love each other and, and want to be close to each other and maybe sometimes are misaligned. So one wants to be close to the other one, the other one is sleeping, and then this one wakes up, and then the other one is gone, right? I mean, this is like really expressing our internal life, what we go through in trying to get close to Hashem and trying to get ourselves aligned. So where does... Zimra come in? Where does this sort of song that's happy and is supposed to bring us close to Hashem and, and, and being able to praise Him and recognize His role in the world, what does pruning have to do with it? The pruning has to do with pruning away, seeing it for what it is, and pruning away the distractions of it. So in the same way that you have, let's say, a bush and you prune away like a lot of the small sort of external leaves. You ever see a tree that was pruned? <laughs> it looks horrible right afterward. Like before it had all the leaves and it had all the flowers, right? And then the gardener, prune is like when they come and they cut, they cut it back. But they're not cutting, they ha you have to cut thinking about what you're cutting. The goal of it is, the goal of pruning is to cut away the smaller, weaker external branches in order to let the, the main trunk be healthier and get more energy so that the whole plant will thrive better. That's our goal also in Zimra. The goal in Zimra is to help us prune away the external expressions of that love and craving for closeness to Hashem and prune that back so that we can get more focused on the core of what it's about, which is Hashem and not not money or people or love or friend like all those things it's not that they don't matter at all but you want to prune that back so the whole organism will be healthier and blossom in a healthier way that's zimra okay it's a little bit like what we said with gavura versus chesed right where gavura channels it puts it imposes some sort of restraint and shape upon the chesed but that allows it to take a shape that grows zmira in the same way by pruning back the tree you actually are helping it to grow better in a healthier way. It's not destructive, it's constructive. All right. I think so I'm going to... what are we pruning back in Zimra? Sorry? What are we pruning? What we're, so we're pruning back. We'll, talk, we'll have to talk about it more, I think, the next time because it got a little bit late. But what we're pruning back is the earthly expressions of desire and craving and instead allowing us to focus on the spiritual source of the feeling of craving and desire, which is really a closeness to Hashem. Is, is that what, like, when you're talking about Shira, that that's solely just... Shira that. is only relating to Hashem. I can't think of any other context for it. I can't think of any other context for it. Okay. 
Um, so I'm not sure, like I said, how long it will be before we come back to this. But I'm at Hashem, we will. Hashem's health and, and in your merit. Thank you so much. And we'll come back to it. So next week's topic actually will fit in. What we're going to do is in kind of looking at this concept of, um, of Hashem's control over world events and world history and seeing things from a very big picture. Um, an example relating to Yitzhiya Mitzrayim of how sometimes we have to have a very, very, very long view in order to get to the happy ending. And that's reassuring for us because sometimes we're in the middle of our story and it doesn't seem like it's headed for a happy ending. And it's good to know that all stories have a happy ending. You just may have to wait a really long time to see how it plays out. In this case, it was more like a thousand, but awesome nonetheless. All right.